This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. This year marks the IBM Center's 20th year of connecting public management research to practice. And we've done this by engaging authors and academics who in their research and studies contribute in some form or fashion to changing the way government does business. In celebration of our 20th anniversary, the Center convened a panel discussion with the current and three past Deputy Directors for Management at the Office of Management and Budget to reflect on the most significant government management initiatives undertaken, while also sharing lessons learned for tomorrow's leaders. Each week, my goal is straightforward, to introduce you to key government executives and thought leaders who are tackling significant management challenges and seizing opportunities to lead. This show will offer leadership stories and insights from panel participants. Margaret Weichert, current Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget, and former Deputy Directors for Management at OMB, Andrew Mayock from the Obama Administration, Clay Johnson from the George W. Bush Administration, and Sally Katzen from the Clinton Administration. Sally Katzen kicks off this discussion highlighting her accomplishments and what her experience can teach future Deputy Directors for Management and other management leaders about how they can best shape the future. Well, first I'd like to thank you for assembling this group and for the work that the center has done. It started in 1998, which was the year that I became DDM. So there's a, a, a nice uh, uh, nexus there. Um, my best accomplishment. I can't answer that because I don't think I did anything. I, I, I really, <laughs> <clears throat> what I found as, as DDM was that the staff at OMB was even better than its reputation. That the people there had the expertise and experience and the good judgment and the backbone to tell me what I needed to do and how to do it and what uh, mistakes uh, I should avoid. So I'm, I don't really want to take credit for anything uh, that happened. Uh, Dan was there at the time. Jonathan was there at the time. There were lots of others who may be in the audience that I haven't seen. But the credit goes to you. What I think was our best accomplishment uh, from that era uh, was that we pushed the boundaries of collegiality and collaboration at a time when it sorely needed it. I noticed during the first panel there were repeated references to government in the singular, it. Uh-uh. 
That's not the case. Government is highly siloed. Government is, is highly fractionated. Um, there are lots of different agencies. There are lots of different functions within agencies. And so one of the things that we did was create the CIO Council, which Daryl had referenced in the first panel. That was the, the uh, Chief Information Officers Council. There was also a Chief Financial Officers Council, and there was a Chief Procurement Officers Council, and there was a the IG's council, I spent most of my time uh, scheduling and going to and following up from meetings of people from a number of different departments and agencies. Uh, and then we created a council of councils, the Quad Council, that brought the different functions together. Now, to me, this made brilliant sense. Um, for, for a number of reasons. One, it knocked down the silos, and people were able to share best practices and have uh, good experiences. They were able to build relations with colleagues in other departments and agencies whom they could reach out to even when I wasn't around or we weren't having a meeting. They could pick up the phone and uh, obtain information and, and uh, um, uh, get, uh, get something through. And there's the second reason that I thought it was so important was that these were people. And we've talked a lot about technology. But these are people, and a couple of people, like um, in, in the first panel, um, there have been some references to people. People is what's going to make it work. The it is the IT stuff, and you can have all of this elaborate developments, most of which I'm not very good at. But you've got to have the right people at the table. People really, really make a difference. One of the things that the people did, even beyond DDM's office, was we created and developed firstgov.gov. Um, that came during our tenure. and. That was the product of two different phenomena. One, people stepping outside their role. Bill Lynn at Defense, I remember. He wasn't going to be just the deputy director of defense. He was going to figure out how to make this system uh, work. And, and David Barron from GSA. And, and these were people at agencies who pulled it together and worked together and created something. And interestingly enough, the idea came to President Clinton from the private sector. And it wasn't rejected. It was embraced. So I thought the origins of FirstGov really brought together all the things that I think are important to get us to where we want to be in 2040, which is the people the people leaving their little silos and talking to one another as human beings, sharing expertise with the right willpower to figure out how to make the budgets work and depart from the status quo and move forward. I've talked too long. Moving management reform forward was key to Clay Johnson, Deputy Director for Management at OMB during the George W. Bush administration. Clay shares his accomplishments. One thing, I was deputy director for management for six years, not three. 
I really like that job. <laughs> I mean, if you like being in the middle of it and try to make things work better, oh my goodness, what, what is it, DOD what they call a target-rich environment? <laughs> uh, um, I am. I asked to be put over there after two years. Bush president said, "What do you want to? You know, time to move out of personnel and whatever." And I said, "Well, I like this DDM thing." And he said, "Why?" <laughs> I said. Just trust me, yes, you know. So the, the management agenda, the, the architecture for what we did for the six years I was there was developed by Mitch Daniels and Sean O'Keefe and Mark Everson. And it was so well thought out and so well put together. Now, Robert Shea and Danny Werfel and I and Linda, Karen Evans and David Sabavian and others raised this small infant to be a fine adult, if I do say so myself. And uh, we accomplished a lot of things in all the different areas and big chunks of bad things got off the high risk list. And anyway, we, and so the, that's not the accomplishment. It was the way it was designed to be done that made it successful. And I think is a huge lesson for DDMs of the future. One of them is it was not done as a separate deal. It's, it's some, some deal across the street from OMB where a bunch of smart people were gonna figure out how the government ought to work and then go in and do it to the different agencies. You need to do it this way instead of that way and so forth. It was done within OMB. So most intelligently and brilliantly was, it was done within the RMOs at OMB. And I heard someone say one of the most important uh, facts of, of um, fiscal life is nobody, I mean, everybody wants their budget officer to be really happy. And so if the budget officer for their agency was involved in the management programs, they were gonna be paying a lot of attention at the agencies to what the management folks wanted done and, because it had would have and was almost certain to have a lot, of, a lot to say in uh, what kind of budget they got. So it was done with our, in the RMOs. We worked through apparat, apparatuses, apparati that already existed. We worked through the COOs and the agencies uh, the deputy directors, the, the uh, president's management council, so forth and so on. And we realized that the key was I, we were here to help the agencies be successful, not the other way around. We were, uh, and realized that the, Mitch and others realized that the most, of, nobody wanted the government to work better than the, and these agencies work better than the employees of those agencies. They work there. They don't get to stay after two years, enjoyed the stay, mm-hmm. moving on. No, they're there and they wanted to work. And then with a credible uh, team of members on the thing, i.e. people that already exist at OMB, the, the kind of four key focuses were outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. What are we trying to do? There was a lot of talk, there were some references in this previous panel about we want to spread technology to, no, 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 we don't spread technology. The desired outcome sucks the technology out of the technology world. Putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade sucked all the various solutions required to put a man on the moon to get it done by it. So the, the IT people and the scientists weren't saying, well, how can we spread the physics to make, no, no, no. That was stuck up there. Uh, starting with a desired outcome and working backwards. And then to drive behavior, lots of attention to what are we trying to accomplish this next quarter? What are we trying to accomplish four quarters from now? And then, oh, by the way, every quarter, how are we doing? Are we 
off from a, we moved yet from a bad state of affairs to a medium state of affairs to a good state of affairs. Did we do last quarter what we said we were going to do? One of the questions was how can we, in the previous panel was, how do we ensure that um, there is movement, that we move forward, that we address some of these things? People are skeptical. Well, you have to have a very graphic, just overpowering picture of success. What do we want um, the Department of Homeland Security to look like a year after it was created? What do we want to be happening in the Port of New Orleans? And the picture was created, and that's what they set out to accomplish. So it's, there's a, the, the technology is important, the science is important, but it's the picture of success and the commitment to making that work that drives the behavior and how those things come together. And so that, to a great degree, existed in our, uh, in the Bush 43 administration for those six years. Now, and so we were very full of ourselves at the end of this period of time. And we were having one of our, President Bush met with us, met with the President's Management Council at least every year. One year, I think they met twice. And uh, we were bragging about the green this and all this stuff. And he was being very complimentary. But at the end, he said, well, Clay, I, you know, I really like green. I, I get the impression green's better than yellow, and yellow's better than red. And this is really, I mean, you went from all red to this is really, really good. Let me ask you, with all the IT you've got and all the competitive sourcing and all the regular, uh, the year-round atten attention you have to your financial management and uh, all this kind of stuff, are the American people better off? And where do I, how much better off are they? What sort of level of service were you providing, were we providing the American people in this area or that area there? And what is it now? There was a silence in that room, <laughs> more deafening than this one right here, <laughs> even more deafening, because we looked at each other and I said, sir, I, we have to admit, I can't answer that question. I'm afraid it, and the answer is unacceptable. So I went to a couple of deputy directors after the, the next week, and I said, all right, you're the, you're the greenest agency we got, la-da-da, la-da-da. What, what departments in your thing work demonstrably, quantifiably better? And they couldn't tell me. So it's the desired outcome, and the outcome is not as a means to the end has to be how much more technology and how much better finances and how many fewer you know, bad audit opinions and so forth do we have. But the main thing is, how is our performance? A really, really clear definition of performance and, a, and really honest about how we're making that better. Honest with ourselves and honest with the American people, our customers. So I feel like we got that. We didn't get it as good as we thought it, we got it. So there's still opportunity, but that to me was what we grasped a hold of, I think maybe more than had been grasped a hold of before and maybe since, maybe as much as has ever been grasped upon since, but that's the key, I think, going forward. Margaret Weigert, current deputy director for management at OMB, is right in the midst of it all, and she recognizes that she and folks after her are standing on the shoulders of giants. I actually want to thank um, the folks who've been in, in my chair before because I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of, of giants and I'm privileged to have had their experience and 
the capabilities and vehicles that they've left behind as tools uh, for, for where we are now and, and what we're doing. And I would say if uh, I think about what I have been able to bring, it, it's been enabled by all of these things. And really, I think it's the, the folks who have been to my office know I have tapestries in my office because there's a lot of wall space and I didn't like the color in the office and all this stuff. And, you know, I, so I brought these tapestries. And what I think about what we've done with the president's management agenda, the reorganization plan, the cross-agency priority goals, and all of the vehicles, whether it's the Technology Modernization Fund or our proposed people fund that we're proposing for the workforce, mm -hmm. that we've been able to weave together a number of very complicated concepts and tools into a tapestry that helps provide clarity to leadership at agencies and therefore to the teams at all the agencies about what are the priorities that we have from a mission, service, and stewardship standpoint. You know, to Clay's earlier point about the outcome that we want is mission. It's not IT. It's not, mm. you know, some esoteric concept that, you know, I, I, I heard very recently somebody saying, you know, OMB, the most boring people you could ever imagine. <laughs> um, it was really recent, by the way, um, that I heard that. Like, why do the American people care about any of that stuff? Well, they actually don't, in the same way that I don't really care about how my plumbing works, right? Unless it doesn't work. In which case, I want to know I've got the best plumbers who can get into my house, get access to my hot water heater, whatever the issue is, and be able to address it. And I think we've got a lot of great vehicles that have been put together. So we've got governance vehicles. I've got all these councils that I can call on to pull people together. And I've got teammates, both career and political, who work with the heads of all of those organizations. And I've got teammates at OMB that brought all the great work that had already been happening and helped me connect with what are the root causes that are preventing us from going further. Margaret Weikert, Deputy Director for Management at OMB, describes her management style that she employs to achieve the president's priorities. So I, I tend to have a, a management style that is not top-down or bottom-up. I call it sandwich. You know, it's both. You know, how do you take the best of the bottom-up but put some, some, some vision and some framework over the top? And maybe the thing that I feel most excited about, and I'd actually defer to some of my colleagues um, uh, from OMB itself about whether this has been successful. But talking about outcomes in terms of storytelling is something we tried to do in the president's management agenda, in the reorganization, and frankly, in every presentation that I talk about. So when I use my plumbing analogy, I'm trying to remind people that IT isn't the end. It's a delivery vehicle. and. Our workforce is part of a delivery, a service delivery model to the American people. So what's really important is what's on the front page of the PMA, the people we serve, whether they're veterans or students or um, retirees or vulnerable families, that's who we're serving. And all of this needs to con connect. And maybe the most important thing about the storytelling is the fact that what really changes action on the ground, and most importantly, out in the country, 
not here in Washington, isn't the ink on the paper. It isn't the law or the reg itself. It's the people implementing the law or reg to the benefit of the American people. And that requires the, the very complicated disciplines of procurement and IT and data and people to all work together to drive outcomes that my mother in upstate New York cares about. So I feel deeply grateful to all the work that's gone before, both by political leadership and by the, the career folks that I, I get to work with, many of whom are here, to do that. So I, I feel like I, I, I'm getting to play with all these awesome tools and just you know go out and um, you know hopefully make a difference. Sally Katzen, Deputy Director for Management at OMB during the Clinton administration, offers advice to the current DDM. I would urge uh, Margaret and her successors to think about something she said, which is it's not top down and bottom up, it's both. And I want to expand on that a little bit to say the bottom up is critically important. Um, I think OMB is uniquely situated to provide um, conventional wisdom to sometimes unconventional uh, senior people uh, to say exactly what could or should be done, mainly by saying what was done in the past, or taking your idea, say, we tried that once. And it failed miserably. Well, that doesn't mean you have to abandon your idea, but it does mean you have to come to grips with the sources of the failure, and you can learn from that. So I would, I, I, I think the the thing that I did when I was in the Obama transition was to preach nonstop. Listen to the civil service, for God's sake. Listen to them, and bring them in. Ask them questions and listen. It's boring. Because <laughs> I kept saying the same thing, but I think it's really critically important. And when I say top down, I think you really need to enlist the top top. Uh, Vice President Gore was doing the reinventing government. But we managed to get the president involved a couple of times. Uh, actually, a lot of times. Uh, he was interested, and every single entry uh, by him was salutary. Every single one helped. It sent a message that this is not some, we're changing the way we're doing business yet again. It was, this is important, here's the objective, and I'm behind it. And uh, President Bush coming to the PMC. We started with the PMC, and we, we had a lot of um, uh, good experiences with that. But having, enlisting the president can be critically important. There is a downside. I would just warn you, once we got him so excited about something that he ran with it right off the edge. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was uh, my lack of fully briefing him, and certainly the papers that I had given, and he just and I just watched with my mouth dropping open. So it does take a little bit more time because it's important to make sure that uh, he understands uh, what's at stake. But getting his aid 
um, is, is really significant. So I top up, bottom down, carry on. To carry on, one must focus on outcomes. Clay Johnson, Deputy Director for Management at OMB during the George W. Bush administration elaborates. It's about outcomes. And, uh, and the way I think about doing it involving OMB, you do it with OMB, you don't do it to OMB, so you do it through OMB. Uh, and you do it with the agencies, not to the agencies. You're not going to go into a 200,000 or 700,000 person organization and say, listen up, fellas, I've got, and boys and girls, I know, I know how to, this agency ought to work. No, that's not, not going to happen. There was talk, the previous panel was asked to vote on um, one to five, what do you think 2040 is going to be like? And, and um, I don't remember his name, the fellow that was in, was told me he gave it a five, and he said, the reason he gave it a five was he says it's it's disaster if it's not a five. We deserve a five. The question was though, how, we think we can make it a five. The picture of success or the picture of not working on it properly isn't clear enough for people. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge for future leaders. But and then the man for on the management side, the management person at DDM at OMB, the senior management person in the federal government, to make sure that the Pick, the president is painting a clear enough picture about what happens if we keep on keeping on, and because we're, we're toast as a country in 20 years, financially, performance-wise, and just everything. And I don't think that's wild exaggeration. And so we got to say this is what. Here's the picture: that, you know, a man not on the moon by the end of the decade. Everybody, ho ho hum. A government not fixed by 2040 is not a pretty picture. And what would be then a picture, a mutually agreeable, easy to say, hard to do, realistically aggressive, not ideal, but a picture that it could be. What is possible? We don't know exactly how yet, but what is possible? And then have that suck the solutions out of us, pull the solutions out of us. And then once we promise that, once the current and future governments focus on that, and it's put in law so that if, they, if the next administration wants to change it, they can, but they got to go through boys up on the hill to change it formally as opposed to just new, issuing a new document. And then there's transparency and, and accountability for actually getting us in that direction. Really easy to say sitting here really hard to do. But unless those two or three things happen, it's just yakking. We can talk about, well, we didn't have enough IT or we didn't have it. No, no, no. If the picture of success is, if it doesn't happen, it's really ugly. And what's a realistically version of what could happen? And let's go make that happen. It's the will. It's the picture of success. It's the desired outcome. Go get them, Margaret. You, eh? Getting to the desired outcome requires creativity, according to Andrew Mayock. DDM at OMB during the Obama administration. Uh, I'd add to that a couple things. One, I'd say uh, be creative um, and be creative. Also, uh, uh, teeing up the comment that Sally made by embracing your career colleagues in particular as you work with them on the creative ideas. And I go back to the USDS example and that one could have, uh, you know, planned and drafted legislation and a whole, you know, detailed uh, approach to this concept and then put it in a budget and went and asked Congress for the money and maybe some authorizing legislation to go 
try to pursue this thing, or one could go do it with, with an existing authority. Um, but one had to look at that authority, one had to look at go to OPM and find the right kind of hiring authorities that were existent and put all these pieces together to create out of basically whole cloth this group of 200 plus technologists that came in overnight and uh, worked for a couple of years. And then as we found out over that time period, that concept was validated by Congress bringing more money to the table as they did their work and Congress bringing even broader authority through the form of legislation for that. But I think the kind of creativity that the OMB team plus a number of our friends from OSTP showed in the origin of that unit to really press on all the authorities and all the funding that we had at our fingertips that we would not be thinking of in a conventional setting to make that happen is extremely important. And that happened time and time again. So I'd say, you know, push the envelope on that. And it goes to a related charge I would share, which is the classic one, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Okay. <laughs> um, so the things that we were able to do and the USDS piece for the last time, you, know, came, you could have sort of fixed healthcare.gov and said, okay, that was nice. Let's try to not talk about that again and move on. Pushing the envelope is key, but it requires a real appetite for change. Here's Margaret Weigert, the current DDM at OMB. I think the biggest pleasant surprise has been how much appetite for change there is in our workforce. And I literally was at a, a speaking event this morning where a woman named Robin came up to me. I don't know what agency she worked for. And she was just like, like giddy. And she hugged me because <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I was talking about open data. Whoa, and, whoa, I mean, an like, open data hug. Super, Ooh. yeah, like so exciting. <laughs> um, I did mention Pokemon Go. So, you know, I had that going, but you know, I, I, I don't know, like, if we can connect to the power of 2.1 million civilian workers in our workforce who are dedicated, have passed our background investigations, and have been here and know all the problems and know exactly what we know, which is what Clay said, that if I look at the, the kind of moonshot questions, can we keep our elections safe? Can we keep our people safe You know, if we don't have a you know, clear-eyed view about cyber risks. Can we keep the, what I call the, the entitlement Pac-Man that eats discretionary spending from crowding out all spending on civilian activities? Can we do that without growing the economy? We have to enable the power of the, of the people in government because they, they're our best brand actors. You know, they're our best storytellers. They are, are the emblems of what we're all trying to do. And we did something, um, Mark Busso from my team is here uh, somewhere. A, a team of career folks came up with, we were talking about celebrating mission, service, and stewardship. And somebody uh, at GSA that's working with Mark came up with the idea of doing Fed Fashion Week. Does that sound crazy? Ooh, totally yeah. crazy, right? <laughs> so New York Fashion Week, big thing. Lots of people in the country pay attention to it. And this team came up with the idea of let's showcase the clothing that keeps our military safe, that keeps our astronauts 
you know, effective at, at maintaining the space station, keeping forest firefighters, you know, on the job, keeping scientists, you know, doing the research to, to look at Zika and, and help protect the, the homeland. Let's, let's highlight that. And it, it, it was cute and it was creative. And we got hits to, wait for it, performance.gov, right? <laughs> the wonkiest thing ever where all of our data that you all have been working hard to get published is on performance.gov. And because of Fed Fashion Week, more Americans got to see it. And by the way, more federal workers were jazzed that they were being featured and the Park Service started doing their own thing. Like that's something that I feel intensely excited about that technology has enabled us to go from broadcast media to interactive media. We can do the same thing if we kind of do this sandwich strategy. We put vision out front, we talk about challenges and tools, and then we get our advocates in government, you know, the people who have that appetite for change, who want to make this the government for the 21st century. Let's harness that. You know, like the lawyers will be like nuts when I say this, but like, let's set them loose to like solve problems. Solving problems effectively requires prioritization. Sally Katzen, the deputy director for management at OMB during the Clinton administration, underscores the importance of focusing on priorities. I was listening to my colleagues talk and it occurred to me that one thing that wasn't said is to prioritize. Um, what I've heard from both panels uh, are, is universal improvement, universal excellence, universal programs, whatever. And I'm, I'm reminded that when I became the administrator of OIRA, Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs at, at OMB, Doug Costell, who had been in the um, George Herbert Walker Bush administration, came to see me and he said, just one thing, write down on a piece of paper when I leave your office two or three things you would really like to accomplish. Put it in your center drawer. And every morning when you come in, open your center drawer, look at what you've written down. Because otherwise, as Andrew said, you get distracted by doing the job. You get pulled in a thousand different directions. You get eaten by the alligators who are snapping at your heels or ankles or whatever alligators snap at. But in any event, if I think it's essential to prioritize, which doesn't mean think other things get to go downhill, but where, where's the emphasis on which syllable? Just nail it. Say, this is what we're working for. And I think prioritization would be help a lot. Clay Johnson, the DDM during the George W. Bush administration, underscores that this work takes commitment. Rather than keep it in the desk drawer, we're working on this. And we want to get this done. We think it's reasonably acceptable, realistically, reasonably possible that we can make this happen in, and we want to commit to make it happen in three years or a year and a half or whatever. And we, we hope, we, can, we think we can be here after a year and a half or two. And we're going to report into you, back to you for every six months or a quarter or something. And we had senior people in our own administration, you shall remain nameless, say, 
why do we want to tell people what we're not doing particularly well? <laughs> My answer was, did you miss eighth grade civics? You know, the light of day, democracy, you know. And it's, you know it's like, and you got to turn the lights on and deal with what's for real, not what, you know, is unrealistic or what, what's not, people are not doing. You've got, it, you have to drive behavior. And so that's why it's not clear enough where we're headed and what doesn't work and what does work and what do we want to be at the end of the decade, at the end of the 20-year decade, that went by, by decade or by whatever, duo decade, anyway, in 2040. What can future government leaders learn from the past? We'll explore this question and so much more when the special edition of the Business of Government Hour returns. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology. It outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Download Transforming Government Through Technology and all Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology, a companion piece to a more detailed report by the Technology CEO Council. That report outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Driving change in the federal government requires more than new policies or the infusion of new technologies. It requires a sustained focus on implementation to achieve positive and significant results. This IBM Center special report provides a roadmap for government leaders to do just that. Download Transforming Government through technology and all IBM Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. This is The Center This Week, highlighting the latest trends and best practices for improving government effectiveness, brought to you by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I'm Michael Keegan, Managing Editor of the Business of Government magazine. The Center This Week is our opportunity to inform, and most importantly, to invite you, our listeners, to use the IBM Center for the Business of Government as your resource, a how-to resource for improving government effectiveness at the state, local, and federal level. By 2010, a number of lessons had been learned in how to effectively develop and use government performance management systems. Professor Bob Bain, author of the Performance Stat Potential, a Leadership Strategy for Producing Results, underscores performance management is a leadership strategy. Well, it's a very complicated thing. So let me give you some specific components of it. Um, first of all, I want to emphasize it's not a system. It's not a model. It's a leadership strategy. And it's not just performance measurement either. In fact, I use the phrase performance leadership precisely because too many people use performance management and performance measurement interchangeably as if if you do the measurement, the management stuff automatically happens. So it's a leadership strategy designed to achieve specific public purposes by producing specific results. That is, there's some defined results that we're trying to produce. Why? Because we have a purpose in mind. Then 
there's the question of, well, what do we do to make that happen? Well, one thing that we do is we have a series of regular integrated meetings in which we discuss what's going well, what's not, based on current data, try to identify specific problems, try to figure out what's causing those problems, and then try to develop some strategies that we can experiment with that might help us solve that particular uh, problem. Those meetings include follow-up from previous discussions. They include feedback from particular progress that we've made, and they always are trying to figure out, well, what's the next performance deficit we have to fix? What is the target we should have for that one? Government has made substantial progress over the past 20 years in developing a results-oriented performance management framework. Nevertheless, because of the statutory framework and a bipartisan commitment by top government executives, the performance movement seems assured of a place at the table. More information on this and other center resources is available at businessofgovernment.org. There you will find how the business of government is not business as usual. For the IBM Center for the Business of Government, I'm Michael Keegan, and this has been The Center This Week. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, marking the 20th anniversary of the IBM Center for the Business of Government's mission of connecting research to practice. Today, I share insights from a panel discussion featuring visionary thought leaders hosted by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Every presidential administration wants to leave a legacy and seek to institutionalize their management priorities. Clay Johnson the Deputy Director for Management at OMB during the George Bush administration, elaborates. One of my big disappointments was me, because I was asked by a lot of reporters at the end of the Bush 43 administration, uh, you know, you want to accomplish a lot, um, or are you fearful that it's going to go away, that the new broom will come in and want to sweep it clean? I said, no, I'm not. McCumple at all. I said, the employees, if you attend these celebrations when they get to green or when they get a, when they get, I mean, get off the high risk list or they get to green or whatever, and they are so excited about what they've been proud of, what they've done, the employees won't let it happen. Just a complete idiocy. <laughs> I mean, it, every new broom is going to sweep clean. And so, um, I don't know how you keep the fire burning. But it's not enough for an administration to say, this is the official thing for this administration, and toss them a manual. I don't know whether it has to be done by Congress, and so if they want, if they want the goals to change or what the commitments are five years, 10 years, 15 years out, the formal commitments, then it has to go through Congress or not. But Congress is not interested very much in management by objective. Margaret Weikert points out that legacy must be earned. I would jump in here and say, I think we have to earn it. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, I, I guess, surprised some people in Washington when we didn't kill USDS or we didn't like look a gift horse in the mouth around modernizing government technology and a lot of the things accomplished in the Obama administration. Why would I do that? 
that would be an utter and complete waste because they were super valuable tools that give us frameworks. And in some cases, they're legislative frameworks. And, you know, we got authorized all kinds of money, but Congress is still holding us hostage. Um, I'm joking, of course. Um, Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, There are other things like U.S. Digital Service that, of course, we're going to keep doing. Well, maybe not, of course. But I think, you know, what what we tried to do in articulating the president's management agenda and the reorg agenda in very lay people's terms and in, in the the framework where we're really speaking to the American people, we tried to lay out a case for change and a case for specific actions that can't get forgotten. So even if a new political you know, wind sweeps in, as it does, because we have quadrennial elections and that's how we express the will of the American people, it is the purview of a new administration to, to change course but not to do something foolish, not to do something that the American people would say, why'd you do that? That's dumb. That I think is how I think I'm trying to hold myself accountable. Like if the work product that we have is good enough that the next administration, no matter what flavor, sees the value in it, maybe they'll throw some of it out as is their right. Or tweak it. Or tweak it or build on it and make it better. But to me, that, that's how it works in business. A successful transition from one administration to another can go a long way in sustaining the previous administration's legacy. Here's Sally Katzen again. So I was part of the transition out from Clinton, but more importantly for the purposes of this answer, I was very active in the transition in for Obama. And, and I want to say that, that Josh Bolton and the George W. administration were phenomenal in setting a high bar of cooperation and communication. And so I can't answer your question, Jonathan, about whether you should make it definitive. Here's the man, you know, somehow make it immovable. But I think it's important that the outgoing administration be clear as to what they were trying to accomplish, how they were going about it, the strengths and weaknesses of the approaches that they were using, and that the incoming administration, which, as Margaret says, has the right to throw it all to one side, listen, a word I used earlier, Mm -hmm. and maybe welcome that information. There were unfortunately two years ago a fair amount of landing teams, as they were called, that wasn't interested in listening to what the previous administration had done. And it's not that they threw things out, although they did do that, but they also didn't learn from the expertise that had been accumulated. But again, I want to just applaud Clay's administration. They were phenomenal. And clearly set the tone Mm -hmm. so that when the Obama administration was planning its outgoing to the Trump administration, that was the standard they were looking to. Mm -hmm. So thanks. Well, thank you. It was it was President Bush's charge 
it came it through. It was underlings. See, I said, get, the, get it from the top. He said, I want this to be the very best, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it took a very clear picture of success. You know, maybe it's not, you don't say, here's the management agenda. Maybe to try to formalize and say, here are the official, this is sort of a stupid idea, but better than the other stupid ideas I've had. <laughs> maybe you... Here are the official, what we, were, what we want to be in 2040, 2030 and 20. Here's our long-term goals and our thinking about budget and stuff. And we think this is the way it ought to be based on what we know now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then if they want to say, well, no, I have a different view of 2040. It's going to be bleaker than that or more robust than that. Then you change that and you just thump them. But you just can't come up and without just on your own say, well, no, that's all irrelevant. We don't need to reduce 25% what we're spending on things. We don't need to get 50% better at this kind of thing. Margaret Weikert, the current Deputy Director of Management at OMB, recognizes the importance of informal communities that can help government leaders learn from previous experience and capitalize on those lessons to ensure a successful management agenda. And I actually would say that I feel privileged as well because I got that informally. You know, it didn't have to be institutionalized. There is a community of former DDMs that have made it utterly clear that they are available to be of assistance. And it is incredibly inclusive. I think there's a community of folks in the good government arena that have been very helpful at providing insight and perspective. And you know, personally, it makes me feel good in a time of divisive political rhetoric to see the level oh. of collaboration I see among the, the folks on the man management agenda side. It, it gives me great yeah. hope. Andrew Mayock, Deputy Director for Management at OMB, during the Obama administration, thinks it's all about balance. That's the point I was going to add, Jonathan, is that um, that's probably, I think it's about balance. And I think the balance that was struck between uh, the thou shalt legislation or uh, more formal approach to a framework and process is where one needs to be. And you saw that in the trans exactly in the transition where President Bush and Clay and his team uh, ran a, a superb transition. The partnership picked up on that. They asked Congress to make statutory some of that, uh, very sort of bare bones of that. And then for us to, as, as we came after them, to fill it in. Um, and I think that was a good, it was a good push that we got formally. And then we had a great collaboration informally, as Margaret's pointing out. So I think you hit that balance by uh, setting out some frameworks and some process. Mm -hmm. But you leave the substance to stand for itself also, as Margaret said. I think that's what we felt from a DDM handoff perspective, is that we were proud of the work that we had done, career and political. We stood by it. And we expected, well, we hoped that they would share much of that view. Uh, and we've seen, as Margaret just said, that that was indeed the case. We also expected their own stamp and their own own views to come in. And we've seen both of those. So I think it's also that, that matter of like, doing the best you can, running a rigorous, as Sally said, handoff with those who come informally and formally, and then the results will flow. Sally Katzen points out that the president's management agenda is not driving divisive political debates. So I don't think it's a problem. I, I thought Margaret captured it when she said management is not like what's driving the divisive political 
debates now. I mean, this is, I'm the oldest one on the panel, so I get to say this. I've never seen polarization like we have today. I've never seen distrust like we've had today. I've never seen cynicism as I've seen today. But it's on the, it's not on the management agenda, for God's sake. And, yeah, exactly. and so I think if you sort of keep your head down, then so you just keep working. The current deputy director of management at OMB, Margaret Weikert, puts an even finer point on it all. People don't ask their plumbers what, what their politics are. That's the key. Management reform isn't above the political, but it can be an avenue where bipartisanship and solutions can flourish. And not because there's some management science that's above questioning, but because in the end, whether big government or small government, no matter, government needs to be efficient, effective, and faithful in meeting its mission. And effective management can enhance the way government does business. The panel discussion highlighted in this special edition of the Business of Government Hour is the first time four deputy directors for management at the Office of Management and Budget were together sharing their respective insights and offering advice. The last two decades, the IBM Center has led the charge of connecting research with practice and advancing public management scholarship while providing leaders with practical insights and actionable recommendations on how to enhance the way government does business. Since its inception, the center has always complemented its rigorous public management research by offering government executives a platform for telling their leadership stories on this weekly interview program, The Business of Government Hour. These conversations inform the center's research agenda as well as enable us to get the research to those in the front line of public service. Leadership is at the core of the center's mission. Successful leadership is a measure of how we respond to uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, the unknown. By this definition, the center continues to respond by making the unknown knowable and the untried mainstream in public management. Thank you for joining me on the special edition of the Business of Government Hour, commemorating the 20th anniversary of the IBM Center's mission of connecting research to practice. Before we go, I'd like to invite you to pick up a copy of the latest IBM Center book commemorating our 20th anniversary, Government for the Future, Reflection and Vision for Tomorrow's Leaders. At any given moment in time, governments in the United States and around the globe carry out key missions in service of their citizens, learn from and engage with partners in other sectors, and act as cost-effective stewards of public resources. The countless positive daily actions of government leaders though largely unrecognized amidst the constant focus on the highly visible but far smaller set of challenges and problems faced by the public sector. However, stepping back to view progress over a span of decades reveals evidence of the sum total of this continuous evolution in government management, as well as providing perspective on the future of public service. It is from this long-term perspective about the performance and potential for government that the IBM Center for the Business of Government wrote Government for the Future, Reflection and Vision for Tomorrow's Leaders. In this book, we draw from a rich repository of content to reflect on the major drivers of public sector progress over the past two decades. More importantly, reflections on this content provides a foundation to paint a vision of what government management may look like 20 years hence. We have built on this foundation to bring together a set of viewpoints about the public sector in 2040 
through a set of collaborative brainstorming sessions and a crowdsourcing of ideas about future scenarios. This vision of tomorrow's government is framed through essays from experts that lay out a roadmap for how to maximize benefits and minimize risks. With potential innovations ranging from workplace of the future to advancement of space exploration, the IBM Center has been privileged to contribute cutting-edge research that led to practical, actionable recommendations for government executives during the last 20 years and to have collaborated with like-minded organizations to improve government performance. With the book Government for the Future, we look to continue this collaboration among government, academic, nonprofits, and industry through the next 20 years. With our objective of creating a future vision of government by reflecting on the past, Government for the Future consists of two parts. The initial chapters examine six significant and enduring management trends identified over the past 20 years, such as digital, using data, performance, social media, collaboration, and risks. The second part of the book looks 20 years into the future. It is my hope that this primer will pique your intellectual curiosity and that you will find value in the insights, lessons learned, best practices, and vision of the future offered in this magnum opus that marks 20 years of connecting research to practice. Government for the Future, Reflection and Vision for Tomorrow's Leaders. Be sure to pick up your copy at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all reputable booksellers. And join me next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government and its effectiveness. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for listening. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology. It outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Download Transforming Government Through Technology and all Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. The latest edition of the Business of Government magazine delves into a diverse set of topics and public management issues facing us today. Hi, I'm Michael Keegan, the editor of the Business of Government magazine, and with each edition I present the leadership stories of a select group of public servants and complement their frontline experience with practical insights from thought leaders, merging real-world experience with practical scholarship. Check out the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine and find out. Download or order a free copy at businessofgovernment.org. What will government in 2040 be? How will it operate? The IBM Center for the Business of Government convened a panel discussion envisioning government operations 20 years into the future. Join host Michael Keegan next week for a special edition of the Business of Government Hour as he explores the vision of government in 2040. That's next week on the Business of Government Hour, Mondays at 11 a.m. on Federal News Network.